So hello everyone, this is your coach Molly Kreese and welcome to another episode of the Network Hour. Today we are going to cover the topic, the debacle of GameStop and we have special guest speaker with us here, Julius Car- Caranda. And he is a partner of Uplift Communities and he's going to tell you a little bit more about himself Julius, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? All right. Thank you, Molly, for, uh, for the introduction. Thank you for having me on. Uh, and hello to everyone that's listening. So, yeah, so as, as Molly uh, stated, uh, um, I'm a partner of Uplift Communities. Uh, we are a uh, education consulting firm. We, we specialize in uh, financial literacy, entrepreneurship, uh, college access, college readiness, uh, life skills uh, and, and, and other topics as well, uh, specifically for um, you know, high schools, middle schools, colleges, nonprofits. Um, we, we just try to do work in the community and, and educate, uh, you know, the, the, the necessary populations. Um, so that, that's, that's part, partly what I do. Um, I'm also a full-time, uh, I, I work as a um, Work in the compliance general counsel office of New York City Council, um, the legislative body of New York City, uh, and I'm also a adjunct professor of constitutional law at the Borough of Manhattan Community College. So that that's a little about a little bit about me. Yeah. So we are doing a lot of important work out here. So mm-hmm. in all the stuff that you do, you must have had to do quite a bit of networking. So. Seeing that it's the network hour, we want you to share one of those networking stories with us and tell us what did you get out of a out of that networking relationship. Yeah, um, yeah, that, networking is definitely a, a strong uh, part of you know why I've you know been able to kind of get to where I'm at today and, and where you know I continuously focus on. Um, I, I would say, you know. Uh, I, w- I would say definitely one of the first stories that comes to mind is uh, just my first experience of getting into a corporate America, right? So um, I-, I went to John Jay College of Criminal Justice from my undergrad uh, CUNY school in-, in New York. And, you know, when I first, when I was going to school, it- because it's community school, we weren't on campus. We didn't live on campus, I should say. Uh, you know, I, I kind of just treated school kind of like an in and out thing. I would just go take my classes and then leave go to work, go home, go do what I had to do. Uh, so I, I wouldn't, I wasn't really present in the school as much as I, I think I should have been. And which was fine until it was time to essentially graduate, right? Now everyone's scrambling for jobs. Every you know, I didn't do any internships. I didn't do any of that stuff. Uh, but what, I guess my, towards the last, last year, last semester, I decided to pursue my master's degree at John Jay. And, um, was able to get into the program. So I, I went right after I, I graduated from uh, undergrad, went right into the master's program into the following semester. And what I did start to do was start to pick up lean networking. So I did an internship that summer after, after my first semester. Um, and I did an internship at the city council. Uh, did this internship at the city council. Um, my supervisor at the time, you know, he kind of gave me some advice as well. He was like, you know, go do the career fairs, really ingratiate yourself in, in the school. Uh, because it allows you to, um, you know, 
opens up career opportunities. Uh, you know, because after the internship, I asked him, hey, he's like, hey, are you all hiring at city council? He's like, no, we don't have the budget for that. We can't bring you on. But he encouraged me to go to the career, uh, to, to the career fairs. And I did end up going to the career fair, got a job at J.P. Morgan um, uh, in their compliance department because I was able to leverage my experience doing compliance work at the city council, that internship, that one internship gave me experience to get that job, that first job, and allowed me to, you know, continue my career in, uh, in banking. I worked for JP Morgan, HSBC, Standard Charter, Standard Chartered Bank, another, uh, it's a European bank, but they have a little, you know, some base, some, some presence in the United States. Um, and then everything kind of came full circle because a couple of years ago, as I'm at Standard Chartered, the bank still, figuring out what exactly what I wanted to do in terms of my career. Uh, I get a call from my um, supervisor at the city council, the one that told me, you know, we didn't have a job. He didn't have a job for me at the time. Uh, he said, hey, you know, something just opened up. Um, would you like to do it? And, and after talking to him and, and going over the details, I said, you know, sure, this this is good. And then uh, and now I'm here, I'm at the city council. So from me just going and networking within my school's uh, community, because my boss, um, he uh, also was a grad alumni of John Jay. Um, he's kept a relationship with John Jay and then me just kind of following his advice and continuing to network and continue to build these relationships. Uh, not only was I able to uh, get a lot of experience, but then the experience ultimately got a job, got me a job at the internship I did uh, years ago. Yeah. And building those relationships is so important. So, so very important. So we are going to get into GameStop because this has been dominating the news headlines for quite some weeks. And I've had people on the street, um, people that I know, obviously, ask me about what it is. And I, it seems as though regular people were hearing the story on the TV, on the news, but not really have a clear understanding of what's going on. So before we dive all the way into it, I'm going to ask you to tell us what is GameStop, who is Robin Hood, and what is a hedge fund for the people out there that, that might be wondering. Uh, yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, so GameStop is a, it's a retail store. They sell video games, essentially, right? They sell um you know sell video games video game consoles uh you know they make a lot of, they make a lot of money in terms of just selling video games um off of you know retail for the retail prices they also um make money a bulk of their cash from buying used games uh from from uh from people and then reselling them through their store so that's how they, they also make some uh, profit off of that uh They've been around, uh, I believe, since the 80, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, not exactly sure, but they're they're uh, they, they've been um, they've been having some issues, some financial issues, like other retail stores um, in the last couple of years, just because they, they're you know primarily located in the malls. Malls are not as popular. Um, video games are also moving to a digital platform. So people are, instead of like actually going and having to physically buy video games, they're now just downloading the games um, off of the off of the online software. Um, so they've been going through some financial issues and then, you know, COVID-19, whatever, you know, malls and things being shut down, retail stores being shut down, that also exasperated their financial distress. Um, Robinhood, Robinhood is a, a essentially it's a, it's a stock trading platform. So it's 
prior to, you know, a couple of years ago, you had to, if you wanted to trade stocks, you had to get it, go through a, a stock broker and you had to pay that broker or the brokerage some type of fee in order to trade stocks. Robinhood essentially uh, made that, uh, eliminated that fee. So now anyone can sign up for a Robinhood account. Um, uh, you know, you have to provide some, some you know, information and things like that, but you can essentially easily sign up and now you can start buying and trading stock without having to, um, you know, pay that brokerage free and, and things like that. And we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later, but what anything, you know, what I learned with, um, especially with these social media apps like the Instagrams, Facebooks and things like that, Twitters, is that if you are not paying for the service or you're not, or you're not paying for a product, you are the product. So what Robinhood, just like Instagram and, and, and Facebook, they sell user data to a third party. Um, and that's how they make uh, their money because it's, it's, they're not making their money from charging that fee anymore. They're making their money from selling data to uh, uh, large, uh, head, you know, large, large uh, uh, financial firms like hedge funds. And hedge funds, essentially hedge funds are uh, financial institutions that make invest in, in investments for their clients. Uh, and they, they, they're, so they make money for this. So let's say you are a multimillionaire, you want to put a couple million dollars in the hedge fund, the hedge fund, you know, maybe guarantees, Hey, I'm going to increase your money by uh, a certain percentage every year. So you're making money without having to do anything. You just give your money to us and we'll find ways to invest it. So they'll invest it in, in various ways, whether it's, Hey, we're going to put some money into, uh, some, some, uh, some emerging markets um, out in like Africa or, or parts of Asia, and we'll invest in projects, maybe that will yield some, some uh, money from there, or we'll do stuff like what the hedge funds were doing with GameStop, which we can get into as well, uh, which is shorting um, stocks and as a way to make money off of their, uh, uh, make money for their clientele, essentially. So the hedge fund guys in this instance, were they Reddit? No, so so Reddit, Reddit, um, so Reddit is a platform, right? Reddit is a platform. It's actually was founded by a couple of guys. One of them being uh, Serena Williams' current husband, uh, the tennis player. But uh, so Reddit is a is a forum where you can just go and discuss various topics. So Reddit happened to be so there was so Reddit. Uh, what Reddit comes into play is there was a subreddit. Subreddit is a, is a forum or an online forum where people can go and discuss uh, different topics. But in this particular topics, there was a Reddit forum called Wall Street Bets. Wall Street Bets um, was around for a couple of years. And what they do, you know, what they essentially do is, you know, people go on and then share like stock information or, or, or different stocks that people should invest in or bet on, or, you know, and, that was kind of a, it was just a community online, an online community. Um, and where it comes into play in this whole situation is um, there was a gentleman uh, named Keith Gill who has been studying GameStop specifically for about two years. So he was watching because for, for the, the general information, people saying GameStop, like a bunch of other retail stores, they're essentially going to go bankrupt eventually because no one, you know, like people, you know, like I said earlier, people aren't buying games physically anymore. Um, people are not going to the malls as much anymore. That's not really the generation. The generation is shifting in terms of how they interact with, um, with, with GameStop. 
So he, but he felt differently because he was studying GameStop. He was saying, hey, actually people aren't downloading games as much as we think they are. Um, GameStop, he was looking through GameStop because GameStop's a publicly traded company. So all their financials have to be uh, displayed to the public. So he was looking through their, their financials and saying they still have a lot of cash. So if they wanted, if they, because they, even though they had debt, they owed money to creditors, they have enough cash to cover that debt. So, so he was saying they should be fine in, in terms of, um, you know, in terms of not being able and not going bankrupt. So if push comes to shove, they'll be able to pay off their debts, pay off their creditors and still be able to survive. Uh, and that's, that's where, and, but he was preaching this information on Wall Street Bets, the, the Reddit forum. So he was telling other users, hey, listen, I think GameStop is going to be fine. I, I think we should start investing money into it. Um, and he invested $53,000 of his own money into GameStop and, then, and bought $53,000 worth of GameStop stock as the stock price was going down. Because uh, so that's that's where red and then where Reddit also comes into play is um, so Reddit comes into play in, in, in more because as he kept on preaching it as he kept on preaching it what he also what they also found out was that hedge funds a bunch of hedge funds were doing this thing called shorting uh, the GameStop GameStop stock <laughs> so. Um, for, and for, for those who don't know what short selling is, uh, it, it's, it's when you bet that a company will lose, well, stock value will go down over a certain period of time. So the analogy that, you know, um, a lot of people like to use is, is a baseball card analogy. Uh, like, let's say you have a friend, your friend owns you know, a bunch of baseball cards and you buy um, $400 worth of the baseball cards. Um, because you feel that the price of the value of those baseball cards are going to go down. So you buy them, you, you know, sorry, you don't buy, you borrow $400 worth of the baseball cards from your friend, your friend. Uh, now you then immediately sell that uh, those cards for $400. Now you have $400 in your pocket, right? If your, if your uh, prediction comes true and maybe in about a week later, those, the value of those, uh, cards actually drop down to 300. You buy them back on the market for $300, give the cards back to your friend and you pocket about $100. But, and then you will then, then you also pay your friend an interest fee. So that's the same similar principle when it comes to stocks. Hedge funds, they borrow money, sorry, they borrow stocks from another institution, whether it be a JP Morgan or another bank or something like that. They borrow the stocks then they go out in the market and sell those stocks, wait for the price to go down, um, and then buy the stocks back at a low price, give the money back with interest to their, their, the firm that they borrowed it from, and then, um, and then you know, profit from the, uh, the, the remaining uh, money. And that's also how they make money for their clientele in that instance. Mm -hmm. So let's, um, let's really get into it. What mm -hmm. happened between GameStop, and the hedge fund guys, and the day trader guys? Let's break yes. it down. Okay, so, so keep in mind, so the, the short selling uh, scenario at this point, so that's what these hedge funds were doing against GameStop. They were, short, they were shorting the stock. And the Wall Street bets guys, can, they can see that. They were able to see that a lot of hedge funds were holding a position 
against GameStop to short them. So what they decided to do was to take the opposite end of the bet. So they invested money into GameStop, all their money into GameStop. And the rationale is, is to make the games, the price of the stock rise. So remember the baseball now, if the stock price rises, now the, now the hedge funds are on the line because they still, they have, they still owe the stock to the, the people that they borrowed it from. So now if the price rises, now they have to buy the stock bike back at a higher price. So let's say the GameStop uh, stock was about, they, let's say they, they bought it for $30 and they bought it for thirty dollars, and they were gonna, you know, try to short it until it got down to maybe, you know, four dollars or two dollars or whatever, and then make that that profit. Now, what the what the Wall Street bet guys, the redditors, were doing was driving the price up by buying it all at the same time and, and hyping up the stock. That the hedge funds were essentially owing now owing triple times of what triple times the money of what they actually. Uh, originally uh, 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 sold the stock for. So they actually still owed, you know, the, the stocks to their, to their, the people that they borrowed from, but now it's at an exorbitant price. So now they're losing money and they can, can and they're losing money and their, their losses can grow exponentially because if the, the stock can keep rising forever. And if it's, the stock continues to rise, now they're, now they're still responsible for, uh, returning those stocks, right? So, and, and they're going to be continuously losing money. So, in one instance, one hedge fund, I think early on, which had like a, a big position, short position in this was called Melvin Capital. And they, they had to be bailed out um, by another, by another, a larger hedge fund called Citadel because they were losing so much money. They lost billions of dollars are instantly off the GameStop uh, situation. They had to be bailed out. Uh, so now that, and then, and that was the, so that was what's called a, a short squeeze. When you take an opposite position against somebody who's shorting a stock and, you, and it's called a short squeeze. So that's what the Redders were doing. They were squeezing these hedge funds for shorting GameStop and they put them in a, in a, in a precarious position. Um, so that, that was, and that's, that's one uh, scenario, but that's one angle uh, of it where, now where Robinhood comes back into play or comes into play is uh, a lot of these investors were using the Robinhood app because once again, Robinhood has, um, Robinhood has a, uh, has no brokerage fees. People can just join in and sign it easily. So now because this stuff is starting to get a lot of uh, press, people are, are, are learning about it. Now everyone is just joining in on Robinhood. And, or people that already had the Robinhood account, and now everybody's just starting to buy GameStop. Um, and it's beginning super popular. So that's only, now it's driving the price up, uh, price of the GameStop up, and it's shorting the hedge funds. And at, at one point, uh, Robinhood actually uh, stops the people, stops people from buying GameStop. Where it gets complicated is, people started to say, oh, Robinhood is now taking the side of Wall Street because you're not allowing the regular everyday person to purchase the stock anymore. Yeah. You're, you're, hurt, you're hurting, uh, you're actually, you're taking the, the, the Wall Street side. And that's, you know, that's where everybody felt. People felt this was unfair. Once again, this is big bank, take little bank. 
you're not allowing the regular layman to, to actually win against the big uh, financial institutions. The issue here though is, it's, it's not that simple. Robin Hood actually just has poor communication um, with, with the public. So essentially Robin Hood was, um, they, they didn't have enough money in their accounts they didn't have enough liquidity or cash to cover the amount of stock that the users were buying. So how it works without getting too in the weeds, anytime a brokerage um, you know, allows their, their users to, to buy stock, it's not as simple as like, all right, you give me a dollar for the stock, I give you the stock. There's a whole back end process that happens. And and for you know, like SEC regulations, the Security Exchange Commission, you have to have a certain amount of money in your in your uh, in your um, company or organization to back up the amount of trades that are happening on your platform. So Robinhood just essentially didn't have enough money, and if they if people kept on buying the stock of GameStop to such a high level, eventually people are going to start pulling out and want their money. So imagine. You, um, it's like going to the bank, essentially, right? Going, everybody has their money in the bank, or everyone has their, their money in the bank, but the bank also goes out and makes loans and mortgages and things like that. So if everyone just takes their money out the bank at one time, the bank has this money, you know, the bank doesn't have all the money there at the same time. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. So Robinhood didn't have enough money to cover everything. So that's why they stopped the, um, that's, that's essentially why they stopped people from buying uh, uh, GameStop. It wasn't just because they were trying to help Wall Street win. Is because if they if they continue to allow, so Robinhood itself was going to go bankrupt uh, if, if enough people just started to like um, pull out their money or want the cash back from like from their purchases or stuff to sell. And and then here's another and there's another piece to Robinhood. So Robinhood there was a, there was a, a company I mentioned earlier it's called Citadel that bailed, uh, bailed out Melvin Capital, one of the hedge funds that had that was shorting the GameStop app. So Robinhood also has a relationship with Citadel. So what, um, in order to, in order for Robinhood to make money, they sell user data, but they sell their user data to, to uh, companies like Citadel. So Citadel actually pays Robinhood a fee to uh, take a, a sneak peek at what their users are, are buying. So then they can make a decision on how they want to uh, uh, purchase stock. So if they see a bunch of people, like you know, let's say Robinhood has millions of of um, of, a, of individual investors, a, a large firm like Citadel can then see how people are, or what stocks people are buying. Then they can make some you know decisions on like whether or not they want to buy certain stocks or not buy certain stocks. It, it's like having a, a it's called front running or having a, a, a an advantage. Uh, of what anyone else can, is doing, right? So it's like almost like if you're betting on a on a basketball game, and now you can see what the one of the teams, they're, they're, what type of plays that they're running, or who's going to be injured or not. Like so you, you have a, just a, a little bit of an advantage, and they're paying for that information. So that's another that's another factor too that people are pointing out that Robinhood is a little, you know, uh, not not being fully transparent with the public about their relationships with other Wall Street companies. Uh, so that that was another factor to play as, play as well. 
Um, so this is, and, and then, and then another piece where people felt as though um, the Redditors or the public was, were getting the short end of the stick is a lot of the social media platforms where the, the people were discussing the GameStop stuff that were getting shut down. So Discord um, is, a, is a medium in which, um, you know, people, the, the people on Reddit were discussing how to, like what to do with the GameStop thing was shut down, shut them down because they cited that the Redditors were using foul, like, you know, inappropriate language that they were using like racist and, you know, homophobic language and things like that um, as a way, but, you know, it was kind of convenient. It's like all of a sudden you just, you guys just started to <laughs> shut them down. I think Facebook also uh, banned the Robinhood forum as well. Um, and then, you know, obviously Robinhood banned the trading of, of GameStop at uh, GameStop uh, stock. And, um, and, and this was also trickling to other uh, companies as well, like AMC, the movie, the movie oh, no. uh, theater uh, uh, yeah. company stocks, because people started to do the same thing. They, they figured, hey, listen, you know, these hedge funds are also shorting AMC. Let's do the same thing. Let's pump our money into AMC. Um, and there were other, like Bed Bath & Beyond was, was, in, was involved in that. And, and, and so people were, this was becoming like a, a big deal for, the, for about you know, a couple of days. Everybody, everybody became a, 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 a stock expert online, right? Everybody became a financial expert, just like, you know, when uh, I was joking, when, just like when, um, you know, COVID first happened, everybody's cousin worked for the CDC. You know, <laughs> um, so everybody just became that, uh, their expert overnight. But, but you know, that, that, that happens. Or anytime there's a, there's a big uh, hoopla, people, you know, people get invested. But it kind of seems like it's the little guy trying to eat. Finally, the little guy trying to trying to win. It's like uh, being the small fish in the, in the pond of big sharks, and, mm-hmm. and finally coming together. All the little fishes together coming together to really fight that shark. But um, it seems as though, um, from from what I was listening and all that stuff, it seems as though all of a sudden now they want to put. Uh, regulations and stuff in place to stop that from happening and it's like punging the little man further down into the dirt so that the 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 big guy can always have his dominance so mm-hmm. what what do you say about that i think there's i think there's a little i think there's there's there's, there's truth to that i think that um you know wall street um has been has been playing uh, with the general public uh, forever, right? And, it, and it's only gotten uh, worse over over the years, right? We, we've seen that in, uh, in during the 2008 crash, the mortgage crash, um, you know, Wall Street was playing around with, with that stuff, like they were playing around with, with the mortgage. They were just giving people homes um, without, you know, having the proper protocols in place because they wanted to make money. Uh, so, you know, you had a lot of individuals, um, so a lot of people just lost, you know, not only lost their homes as a result of the, the 2008 crash, but people yeah. lost their uh, 401k, uh, the money invested in the 401k, pension funds were were, uh, were slashed. There are people that still haven't recovered from, from 2008 uh, financially uh, because, and, and that's another, and, and that's another uh, part of this story, right? 
So not only the Reddit, you know, there were definitely people on Reddit that wanted to make money, right? There are people that actually, and the people that made money. So one of the guys that, you know, that I mentioned at the top, Keith Gill, who, invent, who invested $53,000 into the GameStop situation, he made $48 million in this whole scenario. He ultimately made $40 million. Wow. Yeah, $48 million. But he also, the thing about it, he, he ended up losing $14 million of that $48 million, but he's still up. You know, he's still up an exorbitant amount of money. Um, and, but a lot of people did ended up, ended up making millions of dollars off the situation. But there's what another... About, sorry, what about the you know, little guy who invested probably $500 or probably invested that refund check, mm-hmm. um, that stimulus check that they got from the government? There's, okay. a, there's a possibility that they lost all of that and didn't get anything, right? For sure, yeah. No, a lot of people... And that's the thing, right? So a lot of people, they, they invest... In, and there's the thing where you... So the so the thing is you could have lost you if you didn't invest you could have lost it all but that's it you but you you there's a thing you're supposed to do as a as an investor don't invest any money that you can't afford to lose unfortunately people you know people get right so people take those chances and some people did lose a lot of money right so a lot but sometimes some so from what I understand and what I was reading and doing my research a lot of people didn't care. A lot of people saw this as a way to stick it to the man, to mm-hmm. the the Wall Street guy. So, uh, um, so one of the so one of the people on Reddit actually posted this on uh, January twenty first, twenty uh, twenty twenty two. I'm going to read it if you if you uh, if you go ahead. So he's so the name of this post is "This is for you, Dad." So the uh, the, the poster said, "I remember when the housing collapse sent a torpedo through my family. My father's concrete." Company collapsed almost overnight. My father lost his home. My uncle lost his home. I remember my brother helping my father count pocket change on the kitchen table. That was all the money he had left in the world. While this was happening in my home, I saw hedge funders literally drinking champagne as they looked down on Occupy Wall Street protesters. I will never forget that. My father never recovered from that blow. He fell deeper and deeper into alcoholism and exists now as a shell of informed of his former self waiting for death. This is all the money I have and I'd rather lose it all than give them what they need to destroy me. Taking money from me won't hurt me because I don't value it at all. I will burn it all down just to spite them. This is for you, dad. And that was posted on January 21st, 2021. Wow. Um, so that just goes to show how um, some people just really, uh, had uh, have a disdain for Wall Street for hedge funds because of what went down back in 2008. Um, so they, so some, you know, a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people knew the risks. A lot of people knew that, hey, me putting up this money may um, cause, you know, I'll probably lose it, probably never see it again, or I may win. But as long as Wall Street suffers, as long as these hedge funds go out of business, I'm fine with that. Um, you know, there was this, so there was a, amongst the Redditors, there was this uh, position, they, they were, they were doing everything possible not to short, sorry, not to sell the GameStop um, stock because they wanted to hold it. it uh, they were calling it, uh, I believe I have it here, it's called, uh, it was uh, the, the uh, Diamond Hands. That was the name of their, the, the term that they were calling in terms of holding on to, excuse me, holding on to uh, the GameStop stock in order to 
uh, make sure that this price does not drop down so that the hedge funders can uh, make their money back. So there, there was a lot of personal, um, yeah, uh, personal little guys against the big hedge funds. People, some people felt that it was like the renaissance of the Occupy Wall Street uh, movement that we saw some years ago um, after the 2008 crash. Uh, mm -hmm. And some people felt that this that movement just moved into a digital platform. Yeah, I was kind of excited for, for the little guy for a little bit. Right. But it is true, too, that uh, as fast as a stock go up, it can come down just the same way. Mm -hmm. And I think I read somewhere that it had already started coming down already. So yeah. what would you say to people, regular people who know nothing about investing in, in stocks and all that stuff, and they decide to go and invest and they see something like this, something like a movement like this, that see yeah. that seems exciting and, and seem that they should, should get into it and they, they jump into it. Uh, head first, not doing research and all that kind of stuff. What would you say to people like that? Um, I, I would def I would say do your research. Um, do your research. Do your research. Uh, so, like for example, so at one point the GameStop stock peaked at four hundred and ninety dollars per share, and I just checked it today, and I'm looking at it right now. It's it's fluctuating between sixty dollars and sixty one dollars. Wow, so that low. That low. So it, at one point, but then, but also think about it as well. So um, sometime last year, it was trading at like four dollars, five dollars. Um, during I get probably during the height of the pandemic when no one was going in those shops and stuff like that buying stuff. Mm -hmm. So there. So that's the that that's that's one thing. But in terms of people, I would say yeah, definitely do your research. Um, don't. Because there's a difference between investing, like long-term investing and day trading. A lot of people, what they were trying to do right now was day trading, which is like, you know, buy high, sell, you know, whether, you know, sorry, buy low, sell high, and you make a profit off of it. Um, if you're doing long-term investments and you're, you know, you're maybe you're, you're talking with a financial advisor, you're, you're making sure that your money is, you know, uh, going to certain, is, you're, being, you're having a conservative, well thrown out um, investment plan that is different than what was going on just now. What, what essentially was gambling or day trading. It was a situation where something was hot. It was a one, you know, kind of people say that once in a lifetime situation. There's a I can't. I, I if I could count on if I could count how many times somebody's told me uh, this is a once in a lifetime situation. <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy, right? So it's always a once in a lifetime situation. No, it's once in a lifetime, right? So um, when you hear that, yes, and and and, I'll, and don't get me wrong, people made money. A lot of people made some good money off of this. Some people, I think, I heard people were paying off their student loans with with what the what they funded from the GameStop situation. So people made money, um, but you know, like the guy Keith Gill, who invested fifty three thousand and made forty eight million. I don't know anybody, well, off a of hand, maybe a couple of people I know, but I definitely don't have 53,000 just to invest exactly. in, you know, in, in one stock, you know? Especially so, now in a pandemic. Right, right. Just to throw, hey, I'm just put $53,000 on in, in one stock and then, you know, gamble that away, essentially. I'm, uh, I'm not in that position. And uh, so people have to also put context, right? So people go, oh, these are just the little guys, but 
there's levels to that, right? So that there's also still people that so even the Keith Gill guy, he's um he uh was a former Wall Street guy. Like he worked in financial services, so he's he knows he knows how to read through company earning reports. He knows this stuff. He knows he's the he's able him people like him are able to really uh, calculate the risk and understand what's going on. Oh. Uh, for the average person that is just like you know maybe read a couple articles and watching CNBC and and then trying to jump into this that's that's different right so I would say you educate yourself before doing any of this stuff uh, realize the risk um, I would say don't put up any money that you that you can't afford to lose um, so yeah that I, I, I would definitely say you know I, I, and I err err on the, on the conservative side because you don't want to be you may win, but you know you may lose as well, right? So, hey. <laughs> after all of this, though, I hear I hear them talking uh, on the news, um, senators, different different people in states and stuff, and they talking about um, regulations. Uh, so, uh, should there be regulations to make um, to make sure that this doesn't happen again, or is regulations just keeping down the the guy that's trying to survive by doing these day trades? I think I think it's, I think it'll be just I think it'll be difficult um, to try to regulate this stuff because it w w a lot of this stuff is coming in. It, pe people are saying uh, this was um, you know market manipulation. This was um, you know uh, insider trading and things like that with the guys from on Reddit. But that also that falls into like freedom of speech issues as well. Like, can you? Can you regulate what people say on a public forum? Yeah. Um, is that is does the government really want to play their hand into that to that world as well? Um, so I think the regulation part. I think there, there's going to be some type of backlash because it had, um, Wall Street they they don't like to lose right, and they have the money to pay to like you know lobby and get into the, these politicians um, you know ear a lot easier than the average citizen does. But what, what I do think is um, the internet, as much as people are trying to lock down the internet, the internet is still, uh, I would say, the, the great equalizer. It's making a lot of things a little bit a lot more level. You know, 30 years ago, this couldn't have been done because people would not be able to have this amount of um, access to information at one time. Exactly. And be able to connect with each other in such a large degree, right? There are people from all walks of life from all around the country communicating with each other on how to invest or I think I was I always saw people were talking and you know saying hey if you're in another country see if you can access the the American ex, uh, exchange market and, and buy game stuff so this is a, a new phenomenon and I think one thing you know working in government um, government is slow and government is slow to react to because there's so much that goes on government is definitely slow to react to uh, to um, new technology, new phenomena. So I, I'm, I'm sure there'll be some type of regulation uh, going forward. What that would look like, I'm not sure because there's, like I said, there's so much going on with that. It's you, you're not only dealing with the financial side, but you're also dealing with, you know, freedom of speech. You're dealing with the average citizen and things like that. So who knows what their response is going to be? But there, I, I definitely believe there's going to be some type of uh, legal response. Kind of glad the day traders give um, the hedge fund guys a taste of their own medicine. What do you think? 
<laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was. Um, I, I, I was, I was, I was excited like everyone else when I was reading this stuff and I was paying attention. <laughs> you, yeah, you. Um, a lot of these uh, hedge fund or just big financial institutions, they, you know, they they control so much, um, and they have so much. They have so much power that we don't even realize. What most the average person doesn't even realize. Uh, like for example, I remember going to a a, a private equity uh, conference a couple of years ago, and one of the I, I can't remember the guy's name. I wouldn't even say it, but if I did, but I remember, I remember the guy. I can't remember the guy that was on stage, but he was like you know CEO of one of these private equity firms, and he and and you know essentially they invested a lot of their money into healthcare into hospitals. So I guess they would put their money in the hospitals and try to run it more efficiently so they can uh, make money off of it. And what he just, he described um, the emergency room as uh, a loss leader. And, and for those who don't know, loss leader is a, is a financial term or business term for um, a part of a business that doesn't make money, but because it, brings in customers to other parts of the business, it, it makes money in the long term. So, um, you know, for example, if you go into a CVS or something like that, they may have, um, you know, like a, a display of some products that don't really make money. Um, but once you get in, you're like, oh, well, you know, I may actually make this CVS my place where I can buy my ph- my, my, my pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. So that's where they're making their money is people buying like the, you know, the, their actual medicine there, right? Um, but they'll just have maybe like, they'll have like some beer displays or paper towels on sale. That's not really where they're making the bulk of their, their money is they're, they're making the bulk, bulk of their money um, from the people buying like their, their actual uh, medication there. Um, so what he was saying was people, you know, what, they, they were looking at the emergency rooms where people coming in for emergency there. They don't make any money from that. They actually lose money for people. They've treated people with emergency room. But when people do have, like, let's say somebody has a heart attack and it's going to the emergency room. Um, now they can direct that person to um, a heart surgeon. And, and now that's how they make the money. But, and I'm saying that to say that's like the, the, the coldness in which a lot of these, uh, organizations view the average person they just view them as ways to monetize they're just trying to monetize you right and i also don't want to make it i also just want to point out we don't want to make it seem like it was just the only people that were making money or the 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 only people making money whether people like that small guys or the only people that were losing money were the hedge funds because blackrock which is one of the largest uh, private equity firms in uh, the United States, probably in the world, made about $16 billion during this whole GameStop situation because they, they actually own GameStop uh, stocks. So they made, so a lot of, so they were the ones that actually really won. They just were quiet about it because they didn't want anybody to know, but they, so a lot of private equity firms and other financial institutions actually made money from the whole GameStop scenario because they, they had, in, uh, investments into GameStop. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, that's a lot. I hope yeah. everyone that's listening understand it a little better now and mm-hmm. able to really 
dissect it from from what happened um so thank you so much julius for doing this uh, mm-hmm. What are your last words for, for people out there that are listening to the podcast and, and thinking about investing and all these different stuff? Any, what are your last, last um, advice or words that you want to give our listeners? Yeah, well, thank you for having me, um, first off. Yeah, and, and I think my last words were just like, like, you know, I would say, you know, education. So like start small, like there's, there's, there's no, you know, I would say start small in terms of your knowledge, like this, like one of the best sites I've, I've found for learning a lot of this stuff is Investopedia. So it's like Wikipedia, but you know, investing at the Investopedia is just like, I think it, it's one of the best sites to kind of break this stuff down in, in the most digestible form. Cause some of the stuff can get real complex and the jargon gets kind of crazy. So I would definitely start with sites like Investopedia, you know, pick up a, you know, just the most, just books, um, YouTube clip, YouTube is one of the probably the best resources you can find. So if you type, even if you just type in how does money work or how the stock, stock, uh, the stock market work into YouTube, there'll be hundreds of videos that will come up and people will be breaking it down on, on various levels. So, um, you know, there's really, the, we are in the information age and information is out there. Um, you just have to, they literally just got to kind of look for it. And it's, and it's not hard, just YouTube, uh, Google, there's there's so much stuff to start so i would just you know start small read and then and then don't put money up that you can't afford to lose (laughs) (laughs) good advice definitely good advice so if people Mm -hmm. want to contact you to talk to you maybe um ask you for speak speaking engagements and and stuff like that to talk more about this and other savings investment stuff um, mm-hmm. Just tell them how they can reach you. Give your social media handles and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. So I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Julius Carandas. That Caranda, C A R A N D A is my last name. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit more active on uh, Instagram. Is uh, Mr. Q Boulevard. So M I S T E R Q B L V D. So Mr. Q Boulevard on Instagram. I'm trying to, you know. Uh, get get a little bit more active on, on that end. So th- that's my social media. If anyone reach, wants to reach out, um, that, that's how you get that. Contact me. Thank you. Thank you so much, Julius. This has been another episode of the Network Hour. And before I leave you guys, I want to leave you with a quote that I think is fitting for what we were talking about today. And since it's the network hour and we've been talking about investment, I want to give you this quote. Networking is an investment in your business. It takes time and when done correctly can yield great results for years to come. And that quote is by Diane Helbig. And again, thank you so much, Julius, for coming on and and talking to us about GameStop and Reddit and Robinhood and all that stuff. We have to do this again because there is so much more to get into about investing and stocks and all this stuff. And I think this is such um, a timely topic for us where we are right now in a pandemic and a lot of people out of jobs looking what to get into, how to, sa- how to even save their money when they're not making that so much money. So these are such great topics that we have to get into and I have to invite you to come back, but thank you so much. And we will see you next time. All right. Thank you so much, Molly. Thank you. Bye.